Patrick, we just enjoyed a feast. We're near Winchester, Wisconsin. We uh, are celebrating the life of Bob Ellis. He was a road roller that taught people a lot about this art and this craft. I know you've uh, you've studied uh, Mr. Ellis. Uh, what do you know about him? Um, Bob Ellis is one of those. Um, I think for people like like you and me who enjoy a slower, more um, relaxing way to fish, um, really a, a classic figure. I think for for musky fishing, I, I just had these images of him. I think. One of the things I remember from working on some articles about him, I never met the man. Um, he died, I think, about the time I was kind of transitioning myself from into the news from the newspaper world into the magazine world. So this is like 1989, he died. But I remember um, just kind of hearing about him. But I think the thing that I, I really enjoyed when I started looking into his life, interviewing his nephews and people who remembered him, was the stories about how. This man was a real neatnik. You know, his, his, he kept an immaculate house, except when the muskies were turned on. And then it was like his hair wasn't combed, he, he didn't shave. And for those few days that, he was, that the muskies were, 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 um, were, were going, he was on the water and just relentless. And apparently too, um, his musky fever was so intense that he, um, I think he was married twice and just decided he wasn't marrying kind because he really loved musky fishing that much. And I think it's hard not to admire a guy that has that kind of passion. He's an intelligent man. He didn't have sh um, and, you know, shortcomings that way. And yet he had this, this burning desire to figure out muskies where you hear these stories about how he could look at his um, his depth finder, the flasher that he had back in the, those old green box Lawrence units. And just by studying the clouds of those, those um, whitefish, or, um, or ciscos, excuse me, ciscos, that he could, he could kind of figure out when the muskies were, were on and just how they were responding. I think how people get that good at fishing, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, not in that league, you know. So it's one of those things I just admire the guy. Well, you built a boat, mm -hmm. and it's a gorgeous boat. Thank it's, you. Uh, I know you're proud of it. And you said uh, in a story a while back that, these gorgeous boats attract older men and uh, and women. Women of all ages. Now tell us about the lady uh, you met at the landing the other day. I think you were near Trout Lake. No, you were near Day Lake by uh, Clam Lake. What, how, oh, yes, yes. Tell us about that lady. Yeah, I, I had just um, written about this, how um, I, I, I really wrote this article referring to telling basically young men, if you all meet women of all ages, and meet him on a nice in a nice way. Um, build a, a cedar strip rowboat or a cedar strip canoe, and you'll have women coming. I've had women follow me up the highway into Hardy's restaurants and rest stops, just to look at my boat, and, and they pet it. They, they they come up to the bow and they pet it. And there at night, I, I was fishing over on Day Lake over in um, Ashland County, and in, in, uh, um, I think it's Ashland County still, and. Um, a, a Mennonite lady, or Amish, I'm not sure what, what, um, what group she was with, but, you know, it was really interesting. She and her husband pulled their regular boat out of the water, and they, when they stopped alongside me while I was getting my boat ready to drop in the water, they walked over, and it was really neat. She walked over, and right away, she went right to the bow, started petting the bow, and it's almost predictable. And there's just something about the power of, of, um, of polished wood. 
you know, where it's nice and shiny, that I I just love how women, for some reason, understand this. This is this is a thing of beauty, and I, I I'm just taken by that. And plus, I think it helps too that I'm I'm at an age where I'm 65 years old now, where I think most women consider me harmless. You know, I'm not gonna. You know, if I, if I try anything, they can handle it. <laughs> so they aren't worried about me. And and it's just, it's just kind of a fun thing where I, I, when I take this boat on the road anywhere, I I always meet people. And it, and even when you're out in the lake, you're, you're rowing along and people actually slow down their motorboats, come to a crawl, and then shout out across to you. That's a beautiful boat. And all you can do is just, just thank them because, you know, you think, well, you know, they appreciate it. But, but when I built it, I had no idea that was going to be a, um, a common reaction that people have. Last week, Annie and I went out to a small backwoods lake, and uh, we launched uh, Mildred. Um, that's my name. Yeah. And I'm writing a book about her eventually called My Affair with Mildred. But the great moment was when Annie took off her sandals. We had built a cedar deck, and yeah, yeah. you could smell the cedar. Yeah. Now today, when I was on Palmer and Tenderfoot, I uh, I was rowing. I was trying out some new ash oars that just arrived. Oh, wonderful! And they're gorgeous. They're very light. I could hear the eagles whistle. Yeah. And I heard the loons call, and I could sneak up on the loons. And I thought about something that Mike Wiggins had said about wooden boats. Water sounds different coming off mm-hmm. a, a wooden boat. Yeah. What, you know, you're a you're a good writer and a, have poetic impulses and. How how is it different fishing from this than it was from a Lund or a Ranger? Yeah, I, that's a good, good question because one of the things I, I remember when I built this boat, Nick, I remember reading about the, the guy who designed it. And one of the things he talked about, and, and this and this is a, the model of boat I built, it's called a Cosine Wary. And it turned out the guy that um, designed it, he talked to uh, naval architects. And one of the guys he talked to was a, um, a, a guy who was an architect on U.S. Navy submarines. And the guy talked about water, because the guy wanted to understand water displacement. And one of the things he talked about was that basically the, what gives really nice water displacement where you barely make a ripple as you're going through the water is it follows the shape of a cosine, the geoma- ge- geometri- geometric you know, cosine. And... I was noticing today out, out on the lake, trolling with this, I run um, planar skis off of mine that I built that, that kind of match, you know, there's kind of, they made out of strip wood, that I put, laminated wood that I put together. It was fascinating to watch because it's a glass calm day, which you don't get very often, but it was just glass calm. And not, not exaggerating, the wakes coming off my little skis out there were not much different from the wake coming off this rowboat mm-hmm. going through the water with two two men in it and neither of us are big men but still the thing just it, it rides so nicely and I I just find I think one of the things I love most about it is this the simplicity of it mm-hmm. that when you're out there when you drop the boat in the water and it, and it, and it sits in the water so pretty you just look at it and you think it's it's meant to be here mm-hmm. and then you, you get in it and you start rowing and you think you don't have to worry about an engine you don't have to worry about a live well. You don't have to worry about all the different things that are on a regular modern boat that are, you have to maintain and mess with. And because I'm not a, I don't enjoy messing with engines and messing with things that break and replacing things that break. 
And I think in this boat, when something gets wrong, when something is wrong with this boat, typically it involves just some sandpaper and varnish. And that, and that kind of stuff I like. You know, I, I, I like something I can just go out and actually enjoy fixing, not mm. not be worrying about messing it up. Because, you, you know, like everyone knows that if when you try to work on your own engine, you're, you're probably going to more often than not end up in worse shape than, than when you started. Mm. Whereas a boat, when you can fix it with, with some sandpaper and, and varnish, you know, what's not to like about that? I guided for close to 30 years. And I left guiding, became a public radio reporter, but I never left fishing. Yeah. But I simplified my fishing. Mm -hmm. I got a small five and a half foot St. Croix. I got a little spinning reel with some fluorescent line. My tackle box right now consists of a Sucrets <laughs> lozenge container. <laughs> and I, uh, I love trout fishing. And it, it took me 50 years to get to this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, about a month ago, a friend of mine saw this boat, this Chippewa boat. It was mm -hmm. made near Eau Claire in 1957. Yeah. And I was a little nervous in the service because he wouldn't let me test it out. But my friend said, just quit being a Calvinist. Just accept it as a gift. It's going to be a great boat. It's brought so much joy into my yeah. life. Yeah. And even this gathering here, there's some, uh, as the Germans would say, some gemütlichkeit here. <laughs> now, what, now, what's that mean? Well, it's, it's it's a good feeling you have when okay. there's a polka band and you're drinking beer and eating sausage. Yeah, yeah right. But it's right. a good feeling. Yeah. I haven't experienced this in a long time, Patrick. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. And I, you, you mentioned the people you meet here, like similar to the people you meet marathoning. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear a sad word here today. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, th th that's, I, th I think um, one of the things I enjoy about this and it's the same thing I enjoy with, with marathoners, people who, even even the marathoners who come to support the marathoners. Mm -hmm. The thing where it struck me one year, when you go to Lambeau Field, which I do a lot, I enjoy going to football games, especially the Packers. It's something I really enjoy. For a day, you can act like something silly matters, you know. But um, I realized a number I didn't really think about until I got the boat and started running, doing these two kind of things simultaneously you know really close together in my life where I took up the interest in both of them was that when you go to Lambeau Field how you feel after the game is being dictated by a bunch of men on the field who you don't know personally you know it's it's fun to, to watch and it's sad to lose but ultimately you know you really don't have any real connection in, to your life there I mean you go back to work the next day and life goes on at least you know for most of it does but with uh, the boat and the running I find that, you know, I'm creating my own joy here, my own satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Whether I catch a fish or not, or whether I run a good time in the marathon, whatever it might be, I know I've done something today. You know, I've, I've, I've propelled this boat for, you know, like today, five hours, just rowing around and getting exercise and enjoying the fact that you can still do these things, you know, your own body and that, that you know, that was a pair of oars and some backbone and, and something that just... You, you put that investment of, um, of time and, and sweat into it. And plus, in this, in this case, I built the boat. So it's just a really, it's a really connected feeling when you get out there on, on that lake and you're sitting over all these depths, you know, these, some of these lakes out here, you know, 50, 60 feet down. And the thing I think is always fun too about roll trolling, 
and I don't do it all the time, but I road troll for, for walleyes, and I, but I often, also do a lot of pan fishing here. But one of the things I really enjoy about dragging musky lures around those days I do that is you're always picturing what's going on down below. Because unlike when you're casting, the lure is always in the water when you're road trolling. It's always out there working. And, and you're always, I'm always picturing in my mind any second now this musky's gonna come up behind that bait. He's gonna look it over and then for, for whatever reason that bait twitches a certain way and, and then next thing you know up on the surface there's gonna be this adrenaline rush that that when that rod buckles over it and I think god that's fun I, I can't I, I never get enough of that well my life consists of moving from one camp to another camp mm -hmm. and now this road trolling presents a November camp before deer season where I want to go out on Presque Isle or I want to go out on on uh, trout or big twin and I want to live up to this name Patrick I want to be known as Mr. <laughs> I want to be known as Mr. November can you help can you help uh, me with we'll, that we'll, we'll, we'll do our best on that Nick <laughs> there won't be a more deserving man <laughs> <laughs> okay Patrick thank you very much this is Nick Vanderpie for the Superior Broadcast Network <laughs>